Welcome to another episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute and the Tolkien Professor. I'm the co-host, Dave Kale, and I'm having a heck of a morning. Uh, we just did heard about five minutes of the show with uh, where it'll only you'll, the listeners will only be able to hear me, so that's definitely going to be an outtake reel uh, segment. So... This this week we're getting back to the usual swing of things, talking about topics uh, related to the book and how the book will make the transition to the screen. Because as we were just discussing, nothing exciting happened. No news. No big announcements to discuss. No Facebook posts or or anything controversial that's totally upended everything we knew about the film. So yeah, you know it's going to be a nope. relatively tame day. <laughs> so let me introduce yep. my my co-host. Corey Olson, the Tolkien professor, so we can start talking about uh, The Hobbit and Bilbo. Exactly. Bilbo's character arc, definitely what everybody is interested in right now. Um, yeah, so, no, okay, we, we are really, ta- we're, we're going to, st- we are going to talk about Bilbo's character arc, by the way. One thing that uh, Dave and I were, uh, de- are determined to do today is uh, not let the whole third film announcement completely derail this week, and we do want to stick to talking about Bilbo. We have a sort of a smaller uh, Bilbo's character arc episode uh, to discuss this week. But, of course, we are going to address the third film question. Um, uh, the, uh, you know, my my social uh, media uh, outlets have been buzzing with this for, you know, for, you know, I, so I keep... Uh, I, I, I kept getting emails all afternoon yesterday, like, have you heard? Have you heard? And I... I and I, I received like more than fifty emails in two hours um, about the, about the announcement. Also, there's um, a, don't take offense, listeners, but there, it does come a point, and we're happy that you want to share excitement. But it, there does come a point when it becomes somewhat offensive when you're emailing like twelve hours after it, saying, "Have you heard? <laughs> heard what?" I no, I'm not paying I, attention. I definitely, I'm always. This is actually, you know, it's one thing that I've been, uh, I've always been, uh, you know, very grateful to my listeners for is that, uh, you know, I I always know when something is announced <laughs> because I, I always hear about it, which is great. Uh, it means uh, it, I I I feel like I am always being kept in the loop, so that's always good. But um, yeah. So anyway, so we uh, so the third film. So okay. Um. <sighs> My as is my first reaction to hearing the announcement. To be perfectly honest, my first announcement, my first reaction was grumpiness. I was just cranky about it, and the thing that made me cranky more than anything else, again, this is my 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 initial reaction, was basically that you know Peter Jackson just made it much harder for me to defend him. Um, you know, I've for, for a year now, I've been having conversations with people, such as my wife, for instance, uh, who. Uh, Basically, we've been saying like, "Oh, two films on the Hobbit, like that's such a money grab." Um, you know, it's this short little book. It's you know less than half the length of uh, of any of the the Lord of the Rings volumes, and yet they're going to draw it out into two films. Like they're just milking this. And I, I've been trying to explain that that is not necess- that 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 I I genuinely don't think that's the case. That when you look at the Hobbit story from the point view of the post Lord of the Rings period when Tolkien was assimilate was you know writing a lot to assimilate the Hobbit story into the Lord of the Rings world and the whole Lord of the Rings backstory. You know, he did add a great deal to it. It's a it's it's it is greatly contextualized and, and you know much about it is expanded. There is clearly two um, two films worth of material there and you know quite unashamedly and quite naturally 
uh, Peter Jackson is telling the story from that post Lord of the Rings perspective, because of course the films are post Lord of the Rings as well. So, so again, that, that made sense. And that was an easy conversation. I had it a lot, but it was an easy conversation to have a lot and that was fine. And then, you know, he goes and does this and now it's a much harder conversation. to have. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I'm defending, a lot, him, defending him. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, but way to like, you know, leave me hanging there, you know, way to, way to put me out on the, on the, on the shelf like that. So I was really, that, that, that was my first thing as I was really irritated. Basically that argument, the fact that this is not a money grab has just been made much, much harder to, uh, to do. Now I will say that I still don't think on Peter Jackson's part that that's the primary motivation. I have, um, is I have it little doubt that that is, part? Of course. yeah, little doubt that's the studio's motivation. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, that's the that's. I mean, why else do they make? I mean, they don't make movies for artistic purposes. They make movies. They're business people. You know, this is their business. They they're trying to make money. Like that's you know what? No one, nobody should be shocked at that. Um. So yeah, absolutely. It's that's that's obviously why the why the why the studio agreed to it. Is Peter Jackson simply you know, like basically like prostituting his films in order to try to enrich himself personally, uh, you know, and therefore spreading it out to a third. No, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. Um, But basically that's, but, but again, that argument just got a lot harder to make uh, when, uh, when I'm trying to, uh, to convince people that it isn't the case, Uh, which again, that's the, the reason for my initial grumpiness. Um, My, my primary concern about it, I mean, I, I will admit that even after thinking about it, um, you know, and getting over my initial wave of grumpiness about it, um, I still think that um, I am still in the camp that I think that this is, um, on balance, bad news. I am not excited about this. Um, and there are two reasons that I am not excited about this. Number one is that I, from every angle I can think about it, it rather seems to me that this well I, I i think that the chances are that okay when i ask myself is this going to make the hobbit films better or worse i think it's likelier that it's going to make them worse um i just i am not i am not confident in it um and you well, know many people have said like well we should wait and see they did a good job before but it's actually based on what they did before that i'm concerned but go ahead dave what were you i, I was going to say what well, are you concerned about just three movies in general or are you concerned about the fact that they decided to change it to expand the number of films they're making like about 80 percent of the way through production that's what concerns yes. me. If they had yes. done three films from the outset and pl- pl- plotted this out and planned it and gave an, given us a clear vision of what this is going to mean, I'd be fine. The fact that yes. the fact that movie one is basically in the can, and movie two is probably you know most of the shooting is done and they're well into to post production on that is what concerns me because it's like yeah you know what actually uh, let's uh, let's just you know redo everything and and add an extra film in there that that's what concerns me it seems very very shoddy very poorly planned and likely to end up with um sloppy work that's exactly my concern that's why i think that you know from where i'm sitting right now and goodness knows i will be happy to be proven wrong about this but from where i'm sitting now it seems to me like the likeliest outcome is that the individual films are not going to be as high quality as as they would have been before, um, and 
so and and here's 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 the other my other reason my other reason is if i thought that the addition of the third film was going to mean um more footage that they were not going that they were not conceiving of including um i might be happy um you know the number one question that i have been asked the number one question and i'm i am i am de- i am delighted to be asked this question i'm delighted that there are so many people who are as enthusiastic about this as we are the number one thing people keep asking me is do you think that we'll get the battle of as an old bazaar now <laughs> you know does this mean we're going to get burned dwarfs my answer is i would love to think so but no i don't think so because really? again I, yes i kind really. of just assumed do you think they filmed it Oh, Do you think they filmed it? No, but I, I, that's something that I could see. That, and see, this is where the open question for me is because, you know, what a lot of people have been saying is, um, oh, well, yeah, we, we got an, an unusually number of, of almost gleeful messages on Twitter from people telling us that, that this completely screwed up our game and most of our predictions yeah. are probably wrong now. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe how people like boy people were really uh, may, maybe the maybe their tone was being lost on Twitter but they seemed almost gleeful at the at the wanton destruction that this uh, this <laughs> announcement seemed to be doing on our game but I don't I mean when he started talking about this at Comic Con he was talking about going back and filming new material next year. And so my, like, until further notice, until I get extra information, the way I'm currently reading this is that they're going to, ex- the, the first film is going to be left almost entirely alone, and that this, what's going to happen is they're going to fill out story in the second and third films. And so I'm imagining either if they've shot some Battle of Azanol Bazaar footage, or, um, or maybe they'll shoot more next year, that that might go into the beginning of the second film or the third film or something as kind of a flashback. You know, I mean, if that happens... Um, You'll be thrilled. I this, yeah, I think I said this somewhere in some one of my Facebook posts, that, uh, you know, if... if, uh, if if they do that, if I find that you know a significant percentage of the cast is called back for a couple you know weeks or or a month of extra shooting next year um, to fill out more stuff for an extra movie, then you know I'll change my mind about this. Um, but basically, what he's given us so far does not suggest that to me. Um, does not suggest that they're going to be adding lots of new stuff. I mean, and this is um, uh, uh, let's see. Andy Higgins said uh, said this really well uh, in our Netmoot session here. He says, I find it interesting that Jackson made this final decision after he said they had viewed a first cut of the two films. Seems the motivation came from seeing the footage they had already filmed, not assessing what they had not filmed. Um, does this mean that the footage for film three is already in the can or more footage to be filmed? Exactly. That was my reading of, of Jackson's Facebook post, too, that he's looking at what he has and saying, oh, this isn't two films. This is three films. In other words, that there's not going to be lots of radically new footage, whole big new scenes and things that are going to be added. Um, I get, maybe he will decide to go and do that, but that's not how he made it sound in, in his announcement post. How he made it sound was, we have all this great stuff, I can't bear to cut it, so instead of putting it on the cutting room floor, I'm going to make a third film out of it. 
and that's what makes me unconfident. Um, and this is, and this is again, you know, as I started saying before, pe- you know, several people have said, well, you know, they did a, re- he did a really good job with the Lord of the Rings films. You know, maybe we should give him the benefit of the doubt and see. Well, yes and no. Uh, that is, I think about the difference between the cinematic versions and the extended editions. And look, don't get me wrong, I always watch the extended editions, and I, I, I love the extended editions. But I don't think that anybody who is interested in film could really make the argument that the extended editions are superior films to the cinematic versions. Like the the, the much shorter, tighter, a lot of those scenes that were cut out uh, from the extended editions were cut out for pretty good reason. Uh, and, and the film as a film was improved by having cut them out. Uh, now, again, for, for, for the sake of Tolkien geeks going back and rewatching these films, like we want as much as we can get. So we're delighted and we watch the extended editions and that's great. But basically what I re- my, here's, here's my, my initial reading. And again, maybe it's wrong and I, you know, I can hope it turns out to be wrong, but my initial reading of this, it sounds like, um, it sounds like basically he doesn't want to edit what he has down as much as he did before um, that he's looking at this material and he's saying, well, we can, we can, we can do the two films that we had planned and then we have all this great material and we could include it in extended editions. But, you know, instead of doing that, why don't we just include more of it and, and, and make it into three films? Um, I, I mean, look at the Lord of the Rings films, the extended editions, the three extended editions of the Lord of the Rings films are 11 and a half hours of film. Okay, that's almost he could have almost made six films out of what he has. You know, I mean, it's like it would not have required much more um, to, to, to double each one of those. He could have done that. But he didn't. And I think it was good that he didn't. And I think that being compelled to edit, I mean, editing is such a crucial part of the, of the, 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 the artistry of actually, making, uh, of actually making a film like this. And I'm just, I'm, I'm nervous. I mean, we've seen this kind of thing happen. We, you see it happen with novelists, you know, and their, their first few novels are, are, are short and tight and really great. And then they get very famous and their editors stop editing them and say like, oh, everything you touch turns to gold twice as much as twice as good go ahead um and then you know it just it, it's the and and it's 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 not as good basically that you know he had to talk the studio into letting him do three lord of the rings films instead of two mm-hmm. um you know and they were uncertain and grudging about that well now after the success of the lord of the rings films they're like do three five however many you want to do like because they believe it'll make money so basically he is sort of unrestricted and able to indulge himself, which is cool and I'm sure it's fun and it might be great, but I can see the chance that this is going to go in the direction that, again, I mean, I, I feel like I've seen this happen before with others. <laughs> did um, you see, did you see Caleb's comment in the, in the, in the net moot questions? He says, perhaps we'll get a truncated edition DVD that cuts the films back down to a sensible <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a great idea, Caleb. Uh, and Caleb, yes, you're also right that it is J.K. Rowling I'm thinking of. Um, uh, absolutely. I mean, like, basically, what, what I'm afraid we're going to get is the Goblet of Fire. Like, I'm sorry, that's what I'm afraid we're going to get. Like, I'm not saying the last Harry Potter books are bad books, but they are not. They like they need editing. They need the kind of editing that it seems They're like little, books want. A little out of control. Got. Yes, they're way out of control. Twice as many pages is not twice as good. So, and, uh, so yeah. the, the part that you you make some really good points, and that certainly seems to be that seems that seems to be the case that that like it's hard to imagine that 
what he's talking about here is making is essentially filming an entirely third film you know that he's what he's talking about is we're going to add a third film and it's going to consist almost mostly of footage we haven't filmed yet uh and we're going to do that next year like that seems i mean that seems insane from a movie making standpoint um uh and so what you're saying seems to make sense that that really what he's doing is he's he's looking at the material he's filmed and thinking about new ways to cut and edit so that it, it can take up three films instead of two um, uh, you know, the only reason that I'm, you know, the only reason that my mind is drawn to that, to sort of some version of the first idea that he's going to film new material is just the comments that he made at Comic-Con where right. he didn't seem to be talking. Now, some people have pointed out that he seemed, he is a fairly smart and clever dude, and it's entirely possible that he actually has filmed most of what he's talking about and that, that his strategy is to vet it was to vet it at Comic-Con and demonstrate to the studio at, um, by vetting it at Comic-Con that there was interest in this uh, right. in having three films. But the way he was talking at Comic-Con made it sound like he 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 didn't even know what would go into this third film. But, you know, he was talking as though like, well, there's all this there's this wealth of new material that we could mine in the, the appendices. I haven't even gotten there yet. It wasn't, it didn't sound to me like he was saying, Oh yeah, we filmed the entire appendices and we have that footage lying around. I just need to convince the studio to let me put it in a movie. See, I, okay. I don't fully believe that. Uh, and here's the reason why. So sure. I've been a lot, ever since Comic-Con, again, I've been getting a lot of questions from people who are saying, Peter Jackson's talking about all this stuff in the appendices. Where is it? I don't find it. <laughs> I'm looking at my appendices and I'm looking for all this material and I don't see it. Um, and here, basically, here's my answer to that: is that basically, if you're a, a serious Tolkien fan who's read the appendices several times, he's not talking to you. Um, that I think that who, who Peter Jackson is talking to when he says, "Oh, there's all this stuff in the appendices." Um, I think what he's talking to are people who are only familiar with, you know, with the Hobbit book itself and don't really, you know, ha- don't even know about the, 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 the quest for Erebor stuff and the, and basically all the stuff that we've been talking about all along and that it's clear that all along that he's been working on. Um, I don't think that there's any new, because the new stuff and the, the only new stuff in the appendices, if you take them, um, the extra stuff that Tolkien wrote later on in his career, like the Quest for Erebor drafts and the uh, the, the Appendix A material, uh, and all that all that stuff, you take all that stuff and you um, compare that with what we already knew he was doing. Like it's clear that all of that stuff was already in the works. You know, he was not leaving out huge sections of the Quest for Erebor that he's now thinking like, gosh, I should go back and film that stuff. Like it was obviously already there. So that's why people who have been thinking of, you know, people who have been like people who've been following our podcast, other thoughtful Tolkien readers who have been paying attention to what's going on to them. It's already been clear that he's been doing that stuff. So when he says there's all this other material, that's what got us talking about. Like, is he referring to the Aragorn stuff? I mean, he's talked about that before. Is that what he's talking about? What else is there that he hasn't, that he hasn't already brought in? And I think that's not what he means. I think that again, he's still just trying to justify. He knows that if he says, "Oh, we're doing three films on the Hobbit," that everyone is going to say, as somebody did uh, on the Mythgard Facebook page yesterday, "See, like he's completely jumped the shark on this one," um, and so he's just trying to de- he's to like preemptively defend against that and point them to all of this material out there, which again we already knew was out there and we already knew he was working with. So no, I don't think 
that there's a lot more. I mean, might but um, and, 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 believe me, I would love to see him go back and and now decide to film the Battle of Azanulbazar, but I don't. I'll be surprised if What's that happens. A, it doesn't sound like that's what he's planning. What, what about so? What about some of this discussion about um, you know? At, at this point, I can't even keep straight what he actually said versus what people are speculating on the internet. But what about some of the discussion about like a bridge film to the to the to the between the Hobbit and between the Lord of the Rings, you know, or or some kind of bridge yeah. material? Because to me, that's not the that's not the quest for Erebor. Um, uh, extra yeah. material. That's not the White Council storyline. To me, I, I don't even know what an appropriate bridge film would be because there really isn't that much interesting stuff happening that's directly related to both The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. The only thing I could kind of imagine is maybe Aragorn, but... Right. Eh, eh, eh. right. Yeah, the Aragorn stuff. No, if there were to be a bridge film, that's what I would think it would be. Because um, you're right, there's there's not all of them. Or you can... Because there's, there's enough stuff in Appendix A about the history of Gondor and Arnor that you could do some... And, and, this, you know, and then especially the later stuff with the early career of Aragorn... I could imagine, I could imagine, um, and I'm, I'm pointing back to the history of Arnor and Gondor. Some people might be thinking, what are you talking about? That's it's like hundreds and thousands of years prior to The Hobbit. Well, yeah, but I, I, do I think they could mine some of that for like really cool events that would work awesomely on film? Yes, yes, I do think they could do that. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them breaking chronology in those kinds of ways or, again, sort of mining that for ideas. Um, I'm not saying I think that would be a good idea, but I could see them doing it. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine that uh, that is like a, a, you know, the early career of Aragorn bridge film. Um, uh, goodness, even going back to uh, to 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 Gilrein and Arathorn, um, you know, the the like the Born of Hope angle, like yeah, you could see that too. Um, but but um, I don't think. I, I, but I, I think it's pretty clear that th- that is certainly not what he's talking about here. You know, if that 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 may well happen, but that's to me a, a wholly unrelated question to the question of the third Hobbit film. Um, you know, what he has made, what seems clearer than anything else is that this is this is a Hobbit story, and no, that that has nothing to do with the Hobbit. I mean, unless they're going to try, unless they're going to try to basically bring in. Again, deviate from the chronology to bring in that the story of you know of of Aragorn as Throngil down in down in Gondor and make that contemporaneous. So you've got like a three stage thing with Erebor up here and Dol Guldur here and Minas Tirith down here and all of those you know, sort of connecting all of those battles. I I could imagine them trying to do that, but I can't imagine it now. I mean, that's a huge element which. If it's true that I, I don't that we've had no whiff of any of that uh, connected with the Hobbit stuff so far, and that would be adding like now we're, we're gonna we're gonna pick up and like cast anew and do a whole yeah that, that's it's not gonna happen. It that's why happen. I'm so that's why I'm so there's part of me that really hopes that that's not what he's doing because that just seems like a really a plan for failure for filming but he what do you think he's going to film next year like i i just you know, it's hard to understand it's hard to understand 
you know, if if what he's doing is simply spreading the story, the main Hobbit story, plus some of this extra material um, across three films as opposed to across two, which I was just looking at the one ring dot net and they have an article where they say they've confirmed with two independent sources that the third they don't say who these sources are. So I don't. Of course I mean, not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm taking this with a grain of salt, but, yeah. um, but but at the same time, I find this entirely plausible. I think the bridge film just seems too unlikely. But I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is he intending to film next year? Like, what extra material does he like? What scenes or? No, I guess he could be just doing some pickups and just expanding some scenes. Maybe, maybe, maybe what we're doing is maybe he's just going to double the number of riddles we get or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. I I could easily see, I could easily see them looking at the, uh, you know, the cuts of the footage that they have, and saying, you know, there is enough here for three films. If we, you know, that way we won't have to cut as much as we thought we were going to have to cut. And there were places when we were originally filming, or when we were, you know, writing the script, where we would have wanted to tell more here, but we were restraining ourselves because we were trying to keep within three films. If we were to go back and add this bit here and that bit there, so yeah, basically extended pickups and small additions, but not like. And now let us introduce this whole new plot element. Let us uh, let us expand and do. Uh, and, and again, like, and I'm sorry to say, like, I, I am. Uh, I haven't changed my views on the Battle of Azanul Bazaar, but I am no more optimistic about it now than I was before. That's um, sad. Because again, I, I, that's exactly what I don't see them doing. <laughs> I don't see them be, being like, and now let's integrate a whole new thing. Because, you know, people are saying, well, now there's a third film, and so there's room for, you know, because we, you know, we were talking way back when about, you know, uh, the possibility of doing sort of these different epic openings to the two films. Well, hey, now we have a third one, so now we could make one of them the Battle of Azanul Bazaar. Well, yeah, if they had been planning that originally, <laughs> but they weren't. So. I just I, for so for that reason I just I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What's um okay so so it seems that we're 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 in agreement that we're probably leaning toward uh he's pretty much just just taking you know the content that he has maybe plus a few pickups next year uh and spreading it across three films and he's going to stay within the hobbit chronology he's not going to show us aragorn 40 years later burning the ships at uh, umbar or yeah. running around after yeah. gollum or anything like that um so the i think for me then the question becomes uh, where where would be reasonable places to split these fi- to split you know to end the first two films um, and in you know in, in particularly in light of the fact that the first film is theoretically cut already like do you yeah. think they would cha- do you think they would be willing to go back and say all right we're not ending there we're going to end the film earlier it's hard to say I, the, we the really have no information thing. just. You know, no, we really don't, and especially there. since if they are going to expand it, it's unclear what direction they're going to expand it in. Um, that is, like, are, are, you know, what are they going to do more of exactly? Are they going to add some scenes to expand? Are they going to, you know, do more of the the Dol Guldur plot? In which case, again, we know so little about that, and the glimpse that we got of the tombs of the Nazgul should remind us how little we know about that or how little we think we know about that. Uh, or that we don't know as much as we think we know, um, because you know it sounds like he's going to be taking some things in some very different directions there that we might not expect. So, um, so yeah. So I feel now 
especially the second time. That is, thinking about where the second split is going to come, I feel like I have the faintest clue how to even approach that, because I don't even know what material I'm dividing in half. Um, so, 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 yeah, I feel like I don't have anything. I don't have anything for that. My main thought about the first split is simply all of this promotional material has already been released. You know, I think of the Entertainment Weekly photos that we looked at and the scroll and all those other things. If all of a sudden a bunch of, of scenes that were teased to us in those things are not there anymore, like the barrels. You know, the barrels were pretty prominent in a bunch of those things. If all of a sudden we don't get barrels, um, you know, people who have not been following this obsessively and are not fanatical Tolkien fans are likely to be confused. Um, and uh, I, I just, so I, I think they're going to have a hard time pulling back on the stuff that they have almost promised is going to be in the first film. Yeah, I I agree. I actually would you like to hear my theory? I have okay, a pretty I have a theory. pretty strong theory about what I think is going to happen. It's it the timing is going to be very bizarre if they do it this way, but I think they're largely going to leave uh the first film alone. Um and yeah. I think if anything what they might do is move some stuff from the first film to the second film, but that the chronology that that the part of the main Hobbit storyline that they were going to cover in the first film will remain the same. I think what I think the stuff that they were cutting that they were they were sad about losing out is the White Council Dol Guldor st- stuff. And I think what they're going to do is shift most of that into the second film, and that the second film is going to be almost entirely Dol Guldor stuff. Not yeah. not entirely, but that that we're it's you know that we're really that's going to be the main focus of the second film, and that what they'll do is instead of cramming 15 minutes of that hurriedly at the end of the first film, they will yeah. they will instead expand it and shift most of it to the second film, and that we'll actually get a large battle and and a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, and you know the 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 thing it that makes sense from a storyline perspective because um you know, I, I remember back to a comment that Guillermo del, del Toro made like two years ago when people were asking him about the split Good memory the, at, the, at that point two films well it was because it's, it's one of the first things I ever heard about the split was um basically he when people asked him where the split was he was very coy about it and didn't say um, but the one thing he did say about it was it's a natural resting point it's a place where the story uh, pauses very naturally um, so I think you'll be able to guess what that is um, and of course this led to much speculation and nobody agreeing on exactly where that would be but that dis- that does fit the description of Lake Town and certainly Lake Town, the time when they are in Lake Town, could be um, essentially expanded. Because, see, the, the biggest problem that I have with uh, with him doing it the way that you just described, having the second film uh, be almost entirely devoted to the White Council, is that then, like, you know, meanwhile, uh, Bilbo and the dwarves do nothing. Well, there is one place where, meanwhile, Bilbo and the dwarves do nothing, and that's in Lake Town. They don't stay there forever, but uh, but they do stay there for a while, and, uh, and you know, they, you know, rest and are feasted and whatever. So that is a place where you could have basically the um, the the character, you know, Bilbo and the dwarves out of action and have a, a bunch of other stuff going on without feel like, feeling like you're breaking chronology. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, then maybe have 
a few scenes so that we don't forget about Bilbo and the dwarves, you know, have a few scenes of them in Lake Town, have the encounters with the master stuff going on with, you know, sort of political stuff with the master and the elven king and all that, you know, so we, we, we can still bring them in for some scenes. And then even they could set off for the Lonely Mountain and uh, maybe actually get as far as setting up camp on the side of the Lonely Mountain, but before Bilbo goes down to talk to Smaug or yep. to, to, to explore the, you know, the cave for the first time. So here I am now already having said I have no clue speculating about where the second split could be. Um, but again, what I have no clue about is exactly how they're going to do the Dal Guldur plot, so I don't know where it would split there. But So basically I could see film two in which nothing happens with Bilbo and the dwarves other than sort of intrigue in Lake Town and then the the trip to the Lonely Mountain and, you know, sort of the reveal of the Lonely Mountain, the cave mouth, and uh, and that's it. Maybe maybe even the first trip down to the dragon, but I think probably not. That is, like, I could imagine as a sort of a teaser ending of the second film having, um, you know, Bilbo's first glimpse of the dragon and the horde, but, but uh, you know... But, but not do you um, <clears throat> do you do you think there's any chance that or do you think it's likely or unlikely that they would get as far as Smaug's death in the second film? Yeah, that is conceivable. That is conceivable. It would depend upon how much they were building into the dragon sickness and the battle of five armies things. In one sense, I would kind of like that. Um, in that there's really quite a lot of Hobbit book left over after the dragon dies. And, you know, one thing which is, which I find really interesting about the plot arc of the Hobbit itself is that the destruction of the dragon seems like it should be the climax. The story seems like it should be over. That's what Bilbo thinks as soon as it happens. He believes that the, you know, with the death of the dragon, the adventure was, properly speaking, over. Um, but, of course, as the narrator immediately says, he was not right about that um and that in fact that was not the that was not the end and it was you know that there was still a lot of story left to go so having the focus of the third film be on you know dragon sick thorin the gathering of the armies uh the march of the goblins and the battle of five armies and whatever on earth is going on i mean dogulder is supposed to be done by then because gandalf shows up but you know i i don't know um what they would do with that. Um, but anyway, I mean, yeah, I could imagine that. Um, I guess what I would say, though, is if you're right, um, if you're right about the Dol Guldur plot, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I, th- um, I agree. Because, I mean, that, that's having the whole confrontation with Smaug, that's going to dominate the film. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, so, yeah. I personally, I personally think whatever they do, the the uh, the Dol Guldur battle confrontation and the re- big reveal of, of Sauron needs to be in a separate film from the confrontation with Smaug, because because uh, I just because Smaug is the villain of the movie, but I feel like the to the sort of the um the unread masses um, uh, that they are going to be sort of um. Uh, undeni- un- they're not going to be able to resist being drawn to the idea that Su- you know Sauron's the really big bad guy here. Why are they paying? Why aren't they paying more attention to him? Sort of thing. And so I, I really think that they need to try and-, and segregate those two characters to separate films. Maybe Smaug is in part of the film, shares the sc- shares some screen time with um, with the necromancer, but the main confrontation needs to happen in a separate film. I I think if I could. 
if I could plot this stuff out across three films, like from the beginning, I think what I would choose to do would be to put the confrontation with the necromancer in the first film, the death of mm-hmm. Smog in the second film, and then the Battle of Five Armies in the third film. Like I think that has a nice, neat distribution, but I I I, I just don't see them changing the first film that much. Uh, that no, that strikes me as a recipe for 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 having a really miserable next couple of months for Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I I don't think that's really plausible. Um, especially if we're talking, I mean, they're not going to have time to go back and shoot more stuff for the first film. <laughs> I mean, you know, so no, I, I don't think so. And um, though, though, again, the problem with the shape that you just described is that it takes the focus off Bilbo and the dwarves for the first film. And yes. one, the one thing that has seemed tolerably clear from the stuff that they have released is that they are wanting to build the relationship with Bilbo and the dwarves. Um, and especially Kiwi in the first film. Um, yep. So, uh, so I think if if we had the you know the primary Dol Guldur conflict in the first film, um, people would would not really come away with that thinking this is fundamentally the story of Bilbo and the Dwarves. They would think this is a you know like a Gandalf and Galadriel buddy film or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, um, so uh, 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 Yana has a good point, too, which is um, if they kill Smog by the end of the second film, there's a really strong chance that a lot of people are going to say, what's left for the third film? I'm not going right. to watch that. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yes, you know how the end of The Return of the King seemed like it went on forever? Well, now he's just going to do a whole separate movie, which is nothing but <laughs> That's right. We wanted to know how he turned it into three films. Now we know. We should have yeah. should have known better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, because I, I agree. I mean, that, that would be, I mean, some, like, there's there's a part of me that thinks that would be really funny, like that that would be, that that would be great to actually kind of sucker the film viewers into having the same reaction that Bilbo has in the book, where they're like, oh, hooray, the story's over, um, and then not realize, no, wait, there is still a huge chunk of of story yet to come. But but like that's just not the kind of game that you can play on moviegoers and expect that to turn out well. Yeah, um, I, I agree. It works great for a book where where people can see the chapter layout from the very beginning right. and get a strong notion of what's going on for films. Right. I think there's a, there's a strong chance that the third film would just would not do as well. Um, but it, yeah. you know, it's still like, I like it cause, cause it's, you know, it's really, it's really funny. Uh, like when it was two films, I just assumed smog and the battle of five armies would be in the second film. Now yeah. that it's three films and there's actually the option of moving smog. Now I'm, now I'm sitting here thinking, how could they possibly have Smog in the Battle of Five Armies in the same film? It's way too much. I just, I just caught myself thinking the same thing. I was like, man, that third film is going to be awfully crowded. But then, yeah, exactly. well, that's what we've been predicting for film two all along. Yes. So, yes. so the question then becomes not that film three will be really cr- crowded, but will film two be really empty? Um, See, I, yeah. I, I, the more the more we talk this through, and the more I think about, it, the more I'm I'm starting to to really strongly suspect that this is what's going to happen. That the that the second film that essentially because this was the dilemma we were we were we were talking about this multiple episodes a few months ago where it was like okay this material for the White Council where does this go because the first film looks super packed already yes. and yeah. and yet especially getting them all the way to Lake Town right I mean wow. yeah. 
And yet, putting it in the second film is is a, such a terrible idea because, for one thing, it screws up the chronology. Because by the time, I mean, Gandalf, I think is isn't he done with his business by the time the dwarves and Bilbo arrive in Lake Town? By the time they are headed up, he is he. By the time they're headed up to Lonely Mountain, he's headed up too. I mean, it's it's quite some time because he shows up. Um, he shows up after the armies have already, the armies of the Elven King and mm-hmm. uh, Eskaroth have already invested the mountain, which happens two weeks after the death of the dragon. So there's actually quite a bit of time between the arrival of Bilbo in Lake Town on the barrels mm-hmm. and the you know reveal of Gandalf in the armies, uh, you know, holding the casket with the Arkenstone in it. Um, that's there's actually quite a bit of time in there. And so that's the time in which he's in which he's traveling. Um uh so yeah, it, it's it's uh you know, Gandalf was wrapping up his business and heading north. See now I'm blanking. There's that ref- where I'm I'm finding it. It's in I think it's in barrels out of pond. Yeah, when, um, when when he's riding down and he's thinking about like he's thinking about Gandalf and little did he know that Gandalf is Gandalf was thinking of him too and was finishing up his business as quickly. And there's yeah. there is that and I'm trying to remember the timing of that reference. I think it is there. So that but basically he's a long ways away. I mean it takes him a long time to get up there. Um yeah. Now it's not that they have to stick very closely to that chronology. I mean, goodness knows one thing that you can do and do fairly effectively on film is collapse time and travel. I mean, goodness, I just watched um, with our Mythgard Academy students this past week. I just watched the Fellowship of the Ring extended edition uh, again this past weekend, and you know, and I was just sort of struck anew by the amazingly fast travel of Gandalf. He's like, I'm leaving Bag End, and then the next thing you see, I'm, I'm in Isengard. Right, and Isengard, exactly. Like, I shall go down, and, and, and as long as it takes you to uh, to walk to the Prancing Pony without staying in the house of Tom Bombadil, um, it takes me to ride down to Isengard. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of thing that you, you can kind of wave your hands in a in a in a film and accept expect audiences to kind of swallow that like travel has happened. Um, so, so therefore, for that reason, I don't think they have to stick, you know, adhere very closely to the chronology of that. Um, you know, they can they can have Gandalf. Um, I could see, for instance, the climax, you know, the death of Smaug happening in a more more or less contemporaneously with uh, the Battle of Dol Guldur, and then after that, Gandalf being like, "And now I shall head up north," and showing up in time for the Battle of Five Armies. That yeah. I think is is plausible. Seems somewhere. reasonable. I, somebody had suggested at one point that and it, one interesting way to do it would be to actually have the Battle of Dol Guldur after the death of Smaug and have that be a factor mm-hmm. in Sauron's decision to to withdraw. You know, that, right. oh crap, Smaug's dead. Yeah, never mind. I'm right. out of here. <laughs> But I, <laughs> right, I, I don't exactly. I don't see that happening. But I think that's an interesting uh, notion. Okay, here it is. Fourth paragraph of chapter ten. A warm welcome. Uh, okay. Um, so Bilbo has arrived in uh, what you might call it, uh, Lake Town, in and, Lake and, Town. and it's, they yeah. say it might have been some comfort to Mister Baggins shivering on the barrels if he had known that news of this had reached Gandalf far away and given him great anxiety, and that he was in fact finishing his other business, which does not come into this tale, and getting ready to come in search of Thorin's company. But Bilbo did not know it. So let's see, what is that in reference to? The news of what? I think it's the news of 
every, yeah, I think it's the news of their maybe their capture and their escape from the elves. Well, and also it just the the um, the fact that he 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 knows that the road that they he knows the road that they set off on. Yes, and, um, and, and it's not a safe just, road. Exactly, we've just discovered that that road doesn't work anymore, and so Gandalf is sort of. You know, has you know, sort of heard and is like, oh crap! You know they're probably in trouble, and of course they were in trouble. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's that's because it's not, but 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 again, but it's not the death of the dragon. But I agree. I mean, I think that uh, uh, you know Caleb says it really well here. Um, he says you know that he he says that PJ will prioritize having a narrative structure that works well uh, rather than a chronology that makes sense or matches the book. Um, yeah, and I certainly agree with that, and that's. Um, that's obviously what happened in the Fellowship of the Ring. I think that uh, uh, Sandra makes a really good point too. She says, "So Dol Guldur and the White Council is the focus of the second film, with the second track following the dwarves. Um, you know, maybe she she suggests possibly through 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 Mirkwood. I think probably not through Mirkwood, but to the Lonely Mountain maybe. Uh, this will leave Smaug and the Battle of Five Armies for the final film. That would mean the first film would make the first film much more like the Fellowship, getting to know the characters, uh, to you know build relationships and have a lot of comedy. That is exactly my sense of the first film and the direction the first film is going, while setting up stuff for. Uh, the White Council. Actually, in structure, this sounds almost identical to the Lord of the Rings now. The first film, the party <laughs> right. is together and you're getting to know them. Right at the end, they split in, or toward the end, they split, go in different directions. The second right. film, you have two groups of, of people. and One of know, whom has an epic battle. One of whom has an epic battle and the other one that's <laughs> kind of just sort of treading water and not doing anything particularly interesting. I mean, we, of course, think it's interesting, but let's face it, on-screen time, Charlotte's not very order, interesting. Yes. Yeah. And then the third film, you bring start bringing the groups back together and bring things to a head. So yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. <laughs> Sandra says typology. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's a so. Um, but anyway, you know this. Um, getting back to your comment that that what's what's illustrative is that Peter Jackson says that that at least in the story that he tells in his Facebook note that. This decision really sort of came on them, uh, or the resolve to do it really came on them after seeing the first cut, and that that really seems to indicate that the decision is being made not based on what they haven't filmed and would like to film and add, but rather on what they have filmed and feel they're yeah. being required to cut, and 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 the the sort of impossible dilemma that we talked about, which is, uh, you know, they want to add all this. Um, uh, peripheral storyline material. The the story that the the story that the narrator in the Hobbit explicitly says does not come into this tale. What Gandalf's been up to. They want to add all of that. They really don't have room or flexibility to add it. They you know they they you don't want to put it in the second film. You don't want to pack it in with Smaug and the Battle of Five Armies because it just makes the film too crowded. And it, there's the possibility that the you know that this peripheral storyline will kind of get out of control and overshadow what really should be the main storyline. I mean, in my opinion, the worst damage they could do, like the 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 number one way they could fail with these films, is to make us not care about what's going on at the Lonely Mountain because they're so right. focused on the larger the larger overall frame. Um, right. And so so and there's a serious temptation to that. Yeah. Not only temptation, there's a serious danger of that, especially since the primary villain of the Lord of the Rings films, the the, the the dude everyone who just saw the films is going to be looking out for yes. is the antagonist of the subplot. Yep. And, and so a lot of people could very naturally come to it and have this sort of sense of like, okay, wait, why, uh, why should I care about like Hobbit and Dwarves 
going to Dragon Mountain. I mean, it's not that that isn't interesting, but clearly the other one is the big story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the 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 fighting with the Dark Lord isn't that what's really important? Yep. Um, so yeah, absolutely. You so, can you could easily see how that would so work. So you don't want you really don't want that to be in the second film, but there really isn't room to do it justice in the first film, and so and so. You know what I perceive is they really were finding themselves in a dilemma where what they really they really wanted to tell this other story and add all this material in, and they basically had no place to put it, and so they filmed it all, and they were going to end up cutting most of it out. And this added expanding to three films and and shifting most of the smog and battle of five armies content to the third film opens up the room to just go hog wild with the white council storyline in the second film. So I, I just, the more, the more I turn it over, the more I think that seems very likely. That seems to be almost certainly what they'll do. Yep. I do agree. And you know, uh, Sarah had made a, 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 a slightly though very understandably cynical comment earlier on saying that it seems to her the primary rationale is instead of, instead of having people pay, twice to see two three-hour films. Let's have them pay three times to see three two-hour films. Um, and uh, and I actually, I'm, I'm sure that that's the math that the, the studio is doing. I mean, there's yep. no question about that. That's pretty easy math. But, um, but I, I do think that even if we think about that, again, not as purely cynical, because again, I, I, I don't think that that's primarily, I still don't really believe that that's primarily Jackson's motivation, but, um, but it does free him up to have to make the stories cleaner in the way that you're describing. Yeah. Um, to have to have them stay to basically rather than splitting it into an awkward uh, grouping, it also would allow him to add some stuff in. So instead of three two hour films, we can get three two hour and twenty minute films. Basically, yeah, that, where that's kind add. of what I expect as well. That that yeah. That I, I do. I sort of agree that I think we're going to get shorter films now, but there will be. Yes. But it will, it's not just going to be dividing up the existing the, the the content from the two films amongst three, but it'll be adding a little bit here, a little bit there, and I, I suspect yeah. most of it will be added in the second film. Yeah, that does seem to me likely. Um, Good. Well, we should probably move on. Uh, 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 Joseph was just uh, chiding us for uh, uh, for not getting to Bilbo's character arc. Um, we're gonna. Well, no, we're still we're gonna get there. there. We're we're, not, we're, um, we're just not going anywhere fast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which has been the theme ever since uh, my semester ended, and I no longer have an eleven thirty class to run off to. Um, yes, yes. Um, so we we will so, revisit uh, this topic, and I I. I'm sort of we, – we had – just to explain the listeners, we talked briefly yesterday about doing a prediction uh, about this. Like, hey, let's – maybe let's re-predict our previous question. What will the third film be? How will they split and stuff? And you saw we were drawn toward that here. But I, I'm really – I was re- resistant to that idea and reluctant to, to do it just because I I have this feeling there's going to be more announcements in the next – next day next week next few weeks next month and i i don't want to be i don't want to be in a find ourselves in a perpetual game where we do a question make a prediction peter jackson announces and changes things we're like oh crap we're wrong well let's re-predict it so i'd rather wait and see if we get a little more information over the next month i i i'm sure we will yeah uh, i'm sure so, we're going to get actually, an explanation of what he's doing yeah yeah um, and that, though, that's actually one thing that I didn't didn't really address yet, which I had meant to do at the beginning, um, which is, you know, in in reference to all of those uh, those gleeful comments uh, as, as you were saying that we were getting about how this throws all of our 
predictions out the window. I don't feel like it throws any of our predictions out the window. The only one which is a question is the split. Would they actually change the split because of the, the, the changing of the films? Though if I had to do it over again, I would not change my vote there still. Yep, um, but, neither would I. But anyway, I don't feel like any of the rest of it really changes. Even stuff, like, and as I've already said, even stuff with the Battle of as an old bazaar and whatnot, maybe, okay, I do think that now my prediction that we will see Thor's severed head is slightly likelier to happen. I would, I, 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 I believe that maybe we will actually see it now. But, but again, I, fundamentally, I don't actually think it has any impact on our predictions at all. No, um, I, I, because the stuff that's out there is the stuff that's out there. I mean, the story is still the same, um, and you know what they've been, all the stuff that we have seen in production videos and 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 you know photo shoots and stuff like that is is I mean nothing is different about any of that stuff. Yep, there's a I flipping through them. I think there's a few that I might, you know, there's a few like Riddle Six and Riddle Seven. Six is six being what will be the tone of the final moment, the Hobbit, um, and Seven uh-huh. being how will the confrontation between the White Council and Necromancer be portrayed on screen. Um, I, I think those are ones that I maybe would reconsider. I think I would come down with the with the same answer on six. With seven, I don't even remember what I picked, but with seven, I would be. Because I now believe that most of the content in relationship to Seven would end up in the second film, I'm sure there would be I'd be drawn to answers that that would be more expansive as opposed to more compressed. Um, and then maybe let's see, flipping through here, there is one conundrum, which is will they make it to Lake Town that maybe would be affected by this? But the rest of them, you're right. We, you know, like we're not idiots, people. We we were we were. <laughs> We went out of our way to try and avoid questions that were on the boundary between the two films and to focus our attention right. on things that were that were almost certainly relevant for the first film. The story, so. yeah. 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 No, that's 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 exactly how we've been approaching it all along. And um and yeah, I'm not sure the one thing you know, thinking about our, our question about the ending of the first film, um I'm not sure that my vote about the tone of it is different. Um, nope. You know, sort of the, the picture that we talked about at the time, um, you know, like the possibility of having the final scene be like an ominous view of the lonely mountain in the distance, that I would, I think, my vote for that, not that we voted on that specifically, but my vote for that would change um, because I don't think the focus of the second film is now any longer going to be on the Lonely Mountain. Um, so that would be misleading. Rather, I would expect there to be an ominous, dull, Guldur-related ending to the first film now. But I still think it's going to be uh, ominous. Yes. Um, so, um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, that that's is, a good point. I, I yeah. think there's a good chance we're going to get to... Get a doubly ominous ending. Now we're gonna get a uh, we're gonna go back and forth between a glimpse of the tower of the towers of Gold, Dol Goldor, and then uh, uh, and then finally, you know, the the picture of the the lonely mountain and the tunnel, and maybe a, still a breath of flame. That's a good that's a good point. But but yeah, ninety yeah. percent of our questions have been focused on things that we safely think are in the first film, um, and we did that for a very we did that for a very specific reason. <laughs> we did that on purpose. So yeah, yeah exactly. Um, uh, there's something else I was just going to say about that, but I can't remember what it was. Oh well. Um, anyway, so so let's so Bilbo. Uh, let's actually, 
Bilbo. Let's talk about Bilbo. So, so our next step in Bilbo's character development is the we talked about the riddle game um, in our last Bilbo related episode, um, and we I want to move on from that, and I want to look at specifically his departure from the Misty Mountains and his reunion with Gandalf and the dwarves. Um, this is. In the book, a very important moment for several reasons. Of course, his departure from Gollum is a is a really crucial moment, more important than any of the rest of them. It's, it's I would say the most important moment in chapter five is not his you know winning the riddle game uh, or any of that, or or even in a sense for his own character, the finding of the ring. The finding of the ring, of course, is a momentous event in the history of Middle-earth, but it is not a momentous event in Bilbo's character. He barely even notices it. Um, uh, The drawing of his sword for the first time is a more important moment for his character than his laying his hand on the ring. Um, what is, to me, the most important event in Chapter 5 is his decision not to kill Gollum, his having pity on Gollum, which, of course, Gandalf makes such a big deal of in The Fellowship of the Ring, um, but is still a big deal uh, in Chapter 5 of The Hobbit um, by itself, though, as I've explained before, that was that's in the revised edition. Again, it's it derives its significance from The Lord of the Rings, not the other way around. Um, Bilbo had no temptation to kill uh, Gollum in the first edition of The Hobbit because they parted cheerfully on friendly terms. Um, but uh, but anyway, uh, that moment is a really big one. And then even, you know, it, really significantly, though it's it doesn't take up much time in the book, is his departure from the mountain. So he gets through the goblins. So we have the scene where he is has the ring on and is dodging around the goblins and squeezing out the door and losing his buttons. Um, but even more significantly than that is his reunion with the dwarves. His coming out of the mountains, realizing he's on the other side, he's gone straight through and is now uh, is now on the eastern side of the Misty Mountains, and recognizing I've lost the wizard and I've lost the dwarves, and now he's got a magic ring and he's thinking they're probably still stuck in there somewhere. I should go back in and find them. Like he now feels that it falls to him since he has a, a magic ring that he could sneak back in those in those awful you know those 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 horrible tunnels uh to try to find them and he has just made up his mind to do that that he's going to have to go back and look for them when he overhears them in their campsite puts his ring on sneaks in among them and raises his street cred enormously with them by sneaking in past Balanon lookout uh guard and not telling them about the ring afterwards um that's how this happens in in the book, but it's an important thing for several... Re- that reunion is an important thing for several reasons. First is that decision that Bilbo makes. I think it's a big deal in Bilbo's character that he has not only survived, but he is now taking it on himself. He now feels that it, it is his duty, and it's a duty that he very courageously, even though grudgingly, um, and unwillingly, chooses to embrace, which is to go back into the Misty Mountains to rescue uh, his friends um, before he realizes finally to his relief at the last uh, at the last moment that he doesn't need to do that um, and then of course in the reunion with Gandalf and the dwarves he is in that moment confirming Gandalf's assessment Gandalf and the dwarves of course are in the middle of another dispute about how useless Bilbo uh, is and Gandalf insisting that uh, th- they'll be glad to have him and that he um, 
you know that and that Gandalf knew what he was talking about when he chose him as their burglar and the uh the dwarves saying that they should that they should just drat him and leave him behind because he's useless anyway um and so then when he appears among them and all of a sudden they have they they recognize that he is actually he is useful and Gandalf is right and they're wrong and uh and that moment which is is, is such a funny little moment in the book but again i think has has very interesting significance is that moment when he and Balin reintroduce themselves to each other. When Balin takes says, "I take my, I, I take off my hood to you," and he actually bows and says, "You know, Balin at your service." And Bilbo, you know, like they have this formal reintroduction, like they're meeting for the first time. And in a sense, they are. They are meeting as equals for the first time. They are ceasing to be condescending towards Bilbo um, from that moment, even though he still hasn't actually contributed. Um, the only thing he's contributed is not dying and being trapped. Um, but uh, but anyway, that's 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 a big moment for that reason. So in the book, those are the things which are really significant about this little portion of the story. So the question is, how much uh, how much of 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 this of this kind of thing are they going to be doing? Where you know we've been looking at Bilbo's character arc. In the film, and and thinking about how they might treat uh, the trajectory of Bilbo's character, um, how are they going to handle his reunion, specifically his escape from the mountains and his reunion with the dwarves? Um, because again, it are they going to give it any of that kind of significance? And then you factor in simply not just thinking about Bilbo himself, but pure like film adaptation questions about these scenes. That scene is really low key. I think it would be boring on film. Um, you know, to have the, uh, you know, Bilbo sitting there having lots of internal dialogue about how he has to go back into the mountains, and then, oops, there are the dwarves right nearby, I don't have to do anything, I'll just sneak over there. That, I think, would be kind of dull on film and really hard to do. Um, so I think that there are some decisions that are going to be have, that are going to have to be made. The other thing, of course, which is... Um, which again works fine for the book, but I think would be strange on film, is that the escape of Gandalf and the dwarves from the Misty Mountains happens completely off screen. You know, it's, it's, we're just told in a sentence or two that it happened. Um, and, uh, uh, and, I, and again, that is really hard for me to imagine um, that they're going to do that off screen. Um, so how are they going to, are they going to combine these things? What do we think? So, what are your uh, thoughts on these issues generally, Dave? Oh, man. I don't know. It's complicated. It, it, it is an interesting point because uh, Bilbo's, Bilbo's sort of like we don't really see much of the of the dwarves escape, right? Um, we, we more no. or, yeah. or even no. really Bilbo's. What we get instead is they both kind of escape and then they recount their tales to each other. Um, yeah, we do get at the we we do get a description at the end of of chapter five of like when you know where Bilbo's like playing blind man's buff with the goblins. Yeah, he's invisible and and they're all and then and then he loses his buttons. That's the only thing we get sort of details about. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, but but as for the escape of. Uh, Gandalf and the dwarves? No, I mean they just—we're you know, just told that Gandalf knew where the back door was, uh, and made for it, and they ran out. So you know we're not—we're not really given any details about that at all. Yeah, so uh, it is a good point. Like it, it, the sort of more epic action film Peter Jackson style thing would maybe be to have 
have Bilbo catch up with the dwarves in the tunnels and have them cut their way out through, through you know, droves and droves of goblin bodies. Um, so I, I, I sort of see, I could see the possible temptation to go in that direction. Um, whereas, uh, I man, I, I'm just not sure. Um, <clears throat> it is a good, it is a very, very good question. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, one thing which seems a natural temptation is that basically what we have is an action sequence. We have an action sequence which breaks off in the middle. I mean, them running from the goblins and the goblins ambushing them and them turning around to fight the goblins. That is what happens at the very end of Chapter 4 before Bilbo falls off Dory and is knocked unconscious. Um, and that, that presumably, it is, it is that, not presumably, it is that progression which ends with uh, Gandalf and the dwarves outside the Misty Mountains. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, I can actually, it's sort of an interesting question which we didn't even ask before, um, as we kind of skipped the Goblin Town incident, actually. But anyway, um, we, uh, we, oh, we, yeah, we need to go back to that, don't we? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, we do. But anyway, but actually, I think the reason we skipped that is that that was less a Bilbo's character question than a, like, how are they going to handle the goblins yes. question. Yes, yes, which but we anyway. definitely need okay. to do. Yeah, we definitely will uh, and do. I, and, I de- okay. and at some point we have to do a, will they sing the songs question. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and how many of the songs? Actually, that should be our, predi- our prediction questions. Like, how many of the songs in the book will be sung? But anyway, um, okay. All of so them. That's what I'm going with. Every single one, every yeah, verse. In complete detail. There. Absolutely. Uh, um, yep, yep, okay. Anyway, so, the, uh, so we've got Gandalf and the dwarves running away from the goblins, and this is sort of, you know, so this is already an existing action scene. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to handle um, Bilbo's escape. I mean, again, it's easy in the book narrative to have him falling off, hitting his head, going unconscious, and waking up by himself in the dark, not knowing what's going on. Um, it's unlikely. I th- it's possible to do it that way in the film. You know, just have it fade to black and then have him wake up by himself. Um, but I'm not sure that that would work so well on film as everyone is going to be wondering what, you know, I just, I'm not sure that that would work as well on film as it does in a book. Um, I think that it is quite likely that the reunion will be a more eventful thing. I could imagine the escapes being combined. I could imagine, um, that is, I, I, I could imagine Gandalf and the dwarves still, like, in some trouble trying to get out, and Bilbo comes in with his magic ring and facilitates their escape, and that's how they're rejoined. So, like, he's, he is heading towards the back door on, uh, on, on Gollum's directions. I would actually, could easily see that happening the same way that is him following Gollum while invisible. Um, but, uh, but anyway, then maybe making some, way and that's that's what because of course we still have the question of what's keeping Gollum from coming out other than the sunlight maybe just the sunlight but that's going to be hard for moviegoers to buy because they've seen Gollum out in daylight many times in the Lord of the Rings films um so anyway, I could I could imagine a, a, a sequence where Bilbo comes in and comes in invisibly, helps them escape from the goblins, and they all escape the Misty Mountains together. And that the effect of having Bilbo, um, you know, have a new like, see now I'm contributing relationship with the dwarves, um, would 
be accomplished by, by in sort of a more physical nature. Yeah, um, that's that that's it, a little more substantial than hey, you got out. Right, exactly. Um and the like now you you know you managed to sneak by me in the bushes and so now I have a new respect for you. That I don't think is going to translate very well on film, but you know, hey, he came into our rescue. We might not have escaped the Misty Mountains if not for him is a much more forcible way, I think, to, to convey to a film audience. Um, look, Bilbo has a new relationship with the dwarves now. He's been useless before and an embarrassment. Um, but now he's still embarrassing in some ways, but he is contributing now. Um, so that's why I am, I, I'm, I, I think it's at least possible uh, that there's going to be some sort of action elements there, and I could imagine him helping them to escape. Um, but anyway, so that I definitely think um, I definitely think that that is at least a plausible uh, outcome. If they do meet outside, as they do in the book, that is, if they do escape ind- independently, um, I mean. One way in which the disappearance of Bilbo could be handled, which would actually be a little bit funny, would be um, not Gandalf and the dwarves uh, escaping off camera, but Bilbo getting knocked unconscious almost off camera. Like we see him falling and hitting his head, and then the action sequence continues, and Gandalf and the dwarves escape and come to the end and then say, wait, where's Bilbo? And only (laughs) then do we cut back to Bilbo lying unconscious in the cave. Um, That, I think, could be really funny. I think that, (laughs) that, that that could work really well. But, um, but anyway, so I, and then and then he meets up with them later on. How if they do it that way? How they would do the meeting? Um, I'm not sure. You know, maybe they would do it in the context of the warg hunt. I don't know. Um, that is because again, it's hard for me to see it happening exactly like it happens in the book because it's very non-visually spectacular the way it happens in the book. Um, and a lot of internal stuff going on. And those are the things, you know, especially the heavy-duty internal, uh, you know, monologues going on there um, make it very challenging uh, to do on film and suggest that they're going to be making some significant alterations there. Yeah, that's a good point. I kind of like that. I, I sort of hope they don't cut back and forth between the riddles and what's going on with the dwarves. I think that could be kind of... yes disorienting and goofy and they're already going to be doing that a lot uh, cutting between the white council storyline and the dwarves although one thing about that is <clears throat> that isn't a good way to create the illu- create a, a sort of an illusion of time passing in during the riddle game of making the riddle game right. seem longer than it otherwise than they might be able to afford it uh, for on screen time if the implication is that they've they've asked and answered some riddles while we were away but I do kind of like the notion of um, I like the notion of the the of 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 kind of playing with time and so you know showing the dwarves and Gandalf right up until they have escaped essentially and then having them notice Bilbo and then going back and then telling Bilbo's story up to that point too I really like that yeah. idea I think that that actually would be a more effective way to to to, li- to deliver it on screen as opposed to cutting back and forth or whatever mm-hmm. Yeah no I agree the cutting back and forth I would hope that they wouldn't do that there um uh yeah yeah no I would I would I would hope not um again I'm not sure I don't have any immediate idea how I would do the reunion outside the Misty Mountains um, other than just having him... I mean, I guess one possibility is just having him escape 
uh, having them witness his escaping the goblins, basically, so that his credibility could be raised um, not by rescuing them uh, as directly as hopefully he will in Mirkwood, but um, but by them being being eyewitnesses to his escape from the goblins at the gate. Though, of course, there are lots of there are several people um, uh, here in our netmood session who have basically raised the difficult question that we've been dodging all the way along in <laughs> this podcast and haven't talked about yet, which is how are they going to do the invisibility? Bilbo spends oh, yeah. so much time invisible, um, and how are they going to do it? And 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 that's hard enough anyway. I mean, you know depicting, taking the scenes where Bilbo is acting invisibly and thinking about how they're going to be filmed, that would be hard enough. Um, but, uh, you know, basically that's what, that's what the, the, the Rankin-Bass people were able, to, were able to do just by having Bilbo as like a ghostly outline, right? Um, so that the viewer could see him, but the other people presumably could not. Um, but on film, that's going to be really hard, and Peter Jackson's made that even harder for himself based on what we have seen, what everyone expects from The Lord of the Rings, the experience of wearing the ring is, um, you know, with all the distortions and the voices and seeing the eye in the distance. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that, I mean, that's, that, that is going to be really tricky. Um, and when he did show them invisible on screen, he always did it from a point of view perspective. That is when we saw Frodo's point of view as he was wearing the ring, it was the, the, you know, the, the, the distorted shadow reality thing. Um, and when it was not, it simply was an invisible character with things moving by themselves. Um, and the, either one of those options, either way we saw the invisibility of the ring manifest itself in the Lord of the Rings is not going to work in the Hobbit. Um, unless they're going to seriously shorten the amount of time he spends wearing the ring. But I yeah, mean, how are you going to have him escaping? Escape if unless we're going to show it from Bilbo's point of view. Um, how do we have an external point of view with completely invisible Bilbo escaping the goblins, and not have it look dumb? I That's I always, and I always worry. I mean, because all on screen ring wearing we've seen previously in Lord of the Rings films always involved like a, a bad psychedelic trip into right. into evil Sauron shadow world. And so I'm kind of, like, if we can do that every time Bilbo puts on the ring, which is going to be like large segments of the movie, Bilbo's going to be running around like, oh man, this is really weird and trippy and scary. Uh, it seems unlikely. So, <laughs> so, yeah. um, uh, so I, I think there's going to, there, you know, that's kind of a larger issue, not directly connected to this point, but I think the ring wearing poses, poses a number of problems, both that if we don't do it from his point of view, we won't see him, which is kind of uninteresting and a waste of Martin Freeman. Uh, if we do it from <laughs> his point of view, you know, what's that going to look like and how are they going to make it consistent with um, uh, how are they going to make it consistent with what they've done on screen previously? You know, in some sense, it's kind of it's kind of a nice thing about the way they did in the invisibility cloak in Harry Potter that right. they could do um, they could essentially do, you know, from his point of view but make it to where he could kind of see the, you know, the inside of the cloth hanging over him, right. even though it was transparent. Right. Exactly. You can, which is yeah, exactly. which was a nice effect. And I'm trying to think, in the in the seventh film, I think they did something a little different, where we actually like he put the cloak on, but they kind of made him translucent so we could kind of see him. Uh oh. 
there goes some sirens by me. So <laughs> maybe something yeah. like that, where they just make him trans, you know, kind of a transparent type Bilbo. I don't know. Right. I, you know, maybe, maybe it is hard. You know, one thing Sandra makes a really good point, um, which is that Bilbo did not seem to have this sort of trippy experience when he put the ring on in the unexpected party at the beginning of uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, the only people we see, the only one that we see have this this issue is Frodo. Um, after we're we're told that that Sauron is searching for him, so you know, I think. There are internal reasons he could make the experience of wearing the ring different for Bilbo in The Hobbit than it was for Frodo in The Fellowship of the Ring, and that difference is something which could be explained internally. It could make sense because of the differences in Sauron and where Sauron... Not not where Sauron is geographically, but where Sauron is in his sort of career and plan at this point. Um... And that would make a kind of sense, but it would still need so much explanation. And again, my fear is would be the people who don't know the books and are only coming from the films and are just going to simply be, it's just going to look like an inconsistency to them. Um, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's, it, that, that is a question I am not, I mean, I obviously, you know, Peter Jackson will have thought of this. This is not, uh, uh, this is not a, a you know, something that I expect to really trip him up. Um, and I think it's actually interesting. He has played that really close to the vest. Have you noticed that? We have seen almost no indication of this. Um, we've yes. never seen any clip or hint of Bilbo in an invisible moment. No. In fact, we've, uh, we've barely seen anything about the ring even. Yes. Yes. He's been, he's been very... Uh, very close to the vest about that. Yeah. So I'm sure he has some kind of idea, uh, and I'm I, I, obviously he has some kind of idea, and uh, I'll be interested to see it. But um, but but yeah, because I mean he's gonna have to be able to have Bilbo invisible with the spiders. He's gonna have to have I mean, the, the invisibility of Bilbo during the spider sequence is absolutely essential to that story. I mean, unless he makes the spiders blind, he's uh, he has to have Bilbo invisible for large periods of time interacting in action scene. I mean, imagine the fight between Sam and Shelob in the, uh, in the movie if Sam were invisible and you couldn't see him and all you saw was Shelob going around. I mean, it's, it would not, it's not going to work to actually have him completely unseeable to the audience. Um, so he has to, he has to figure out some way around that. And I, I wonder if the translucency thing is going to be, you know, basically so that people can see an outline um, but yet recognize the fact that he's invisible to others. Yep. Um, th- that seems to me the likeliest solution to try to have it both ways. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, but, it's, it's kind of yeah. maybe it's less tough in when you're inside the bowels of the the misty mountains because it's already kind of dark, you know. So they can, they can kind of play fast and loose. They can just sort of have him imply that he's wearing the ring and he's invisible, but have him, you know, be kind of on screen and just kind of darkish, you know, or, or, oh, you know, the other thing they could do is have him not be wearing the ring. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they will have him wear it a lot less than, uh, than he did, than, than he does in the book. Yes. That I assume will happen. Um, that, I mean, certainly like, like for, for instance, 
um, he was invisible the entire time he was on the barrels. I mean, from from the first moment when he packed the dwarves into their barrels until basically he arrives at Lake Town and pulls the dwarves out of the barrel. He's invisible. He's invisible for, like, days on end. Um, that is obviously not going to happen in the film. Um, you know, we see, we have seen Bilbo with no attempt at invisibility riding a barrel um, in pictures and shots. So, um, so yeah, I agree. For things like that, um, they are going to be able to reduce his total invisible time without, um, without damaging the story. But there are, but there are a bunch of times in the story where his invisibility is absolutely necessary. Um, so, you know, so. They're, they are still going to have to, you know, they, they, that cannot be their only solution. Um, now, of course, the other thing to say about the ring here, because, of course, the ring is involved in this little um, sequence that we're discussing, because, of course, from a, from a Lord of the Rings perspective, this moment of the reunion with the dwarves is another very important one, because this is the moment when Gandalf gets his first suspicion um, that this ring that Bilbo has found is, is a bad thing. That is when he lies about it. Um, when Gandalf seems already to suspect that Bilbo is not telling the whole truth and that he starts off his ownership of the ring by attempting to conceal it and keep it to himself and to lie to the dwarves about it and always to lie to the dwarves about it, even down to the sort of coy confession of the fact that he lied about it that he makes in the Council of Elrond, looking out of the corner of his eye at Glowen, uh, sitting down the table from him. Um, so that I would expect to be played up. Um, I would expect that the the corrupting power of the ring, is, which is not an element in the Hobbit story at all, um, is going to be an element in the film story. That, right. I think, is going to be consistent. Um, now, I don't think it's going to be dominant. I mean, we're not going to see him turning into Gollum by the end of the Hobbit film because we saw him 60 years later at his farewell party at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring experiencing the influence of the ring but um, not being very in a very advanced Gollum-esque state at that point yet. Um, but yeah, that's certainly going to happen. So I would expect whatever happens, however they actually meet, I do expect we're going to get a scene afterwards of him telling the story, just him him telling them about his encounter with Gollum, if only for the purposes of his lying to them about the ring and you know us seeing shots of him, you know, sort of clutching or holding the ring through his, you know, waistcoat pocket or whatever, um, you know, in the way that Bilbo did at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Ring film. Uh, that, that right. I think, is, is, is a, almost a guarantee. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Kind of uh, yeah, you know, Brandon says that Jackson has to put that in there. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, kind of like transparent, I saw somebody say. Yes, yes, yeah, Vanny, Vanny was liking that. Um, yeah, yeah. Somebody um, accused me of being in the weird ring world. I don't know what talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it's your your sound for, after the uh, ambulance. Your sound is a little bit weird. Ah, yes. Um, um, 
Yeah, oh, good. Uh, Trish points out that we've seen uh, we've seen in, uh, we've seen that in the movie clip already, where Bilbo starts to tell Gandalf he found a ring and changes it to found my courage instead. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I think that that's going to be that's going to be built up, and and uh, um, I could see the dwarves being fairly oblivious to it, but yeah, um, there being some you know the the suspicions about that. But again, more than just Gandalf's suspicions, the fact that we're going to see you know, some evidence of the corruptive influence of the ring. I think that that's definitely going to be a feature. And one thing I do wonder is how much of a feature. But we, we can talk more about that. Uh, another episode that we have not yet done, which we need to do, is our our sort of fuller ring episode and yes. thinking about how that's going to affect the trajectory of the story. Um, so uh, so we'll, we, will, we will talk about that uh, more another mm-hmm. time. Um. Yeah. So, so you want to make official predictions about yep. that? Let's make a prediction question. Okay. So our prediction, the prediction question is basically several. As it was is about the escape from Merkwood, um, and it was in the in the basically in the directions that I was pointing to uh, already. Namely, <clears throat> you've got I, how is how is Gandalf how are Gandalf and the dwarves and Bilbo going to be reunited? In the film, um, option A, as is traditional, uh, option A is that it will happen like it happens in the book. That is that they will escape from Mirkwood independently, and Bilbo will come across their camp and sneak into it invisibly, invisibly rather. Um, so that's that's uh, that's prediction number one. That's that's option A. Option B. Bilbo will meet up with them within the mountains somehow, and they'll all escape together. Maybe he rescues them. Maybe this comes down some other way. But anyway, the reunion will happen inside the tunnels, and they will escape the, uh, the Misty Mountains together. That's option B. Option C, um, Bilbo escapes alone and meets them outside the mountains. So that happens like the book, but but it's not. But that that scene does not occur like it happens in the book. It's going to be some kind. It's going to be like an action sequence of some kind or something like that. So the location will be outside the Misty Mountains, but it will not be in the same way uh, as happens in the in the books. Um, and then option D is Bilbo escapes alone and then returns into the mountains to find Gandalf and the dwarves. In other words, um, this is this is sort of not what happens in the book, but what Bilbo thinks about happening in the book mm-hmm. um, and and doesn't do. Might they actually make him do it in the film? That, of course, would be another way to show the change in his character and his his development. Um, and in fact, to get the equivalent effect. I almost think they would have to do that. That is, to get the equivalent force of that moment in the book where he's actually made up his mind that he's going to have to go back in and look. Um, and and the significance of what that means for his character, for this guy who was, you know, like the, the, the dude who was collapsing and shouting, struck by lightning, struck by lightning, <laughs> um, in Bag End at the, at the thought of any danger. The idea that this, this same dude, now in the beginning of Chapter 6, has made up his mind to go back solo into the Misty Mountains and hunt and rescue his friends from the goblins, that's just... It's it's extraordinary, and the only way that they could show, I think, that extraordinary a shift in character on screen would be to make him actually do that. Um, I have to admit to being a little bit drawn to option D myself because um, there actually are several precedents for this kind of thing. That is, for things that happen in the films 
which people talk about happening in the books but don't do or pointedly decide not to do in the books, mm-hmm. and then Peter Jackson actually makes them happen in the films. Um, yeah. Like, you know, two, two quick examples that I would point to, one in The Fellowship of the Ring, um, in the book, when under Weathertop, when Strider says we should light a fire because fire is our friend in the wilderness, and Sam says, well, yeah, it's also the best way I know of to say here we are, bar shouting. Uh, and then, of course, in the film, we have them lighting a fire and, in fact, it revealing their location <laughs> to the ring rates. So it's like Sam's prediction in the book comes true in the film. Um, and uh, the other moment that always is, is, it was another one of those moments watching the Lord of the Rings films in the theaters for the first time where I laughed out loud in a totally inappropriate moment. Uh, and that was in the attack on Minas Tirith in The Return of the King when it turns out that the dude leading the armies of, of, of Mordor against Minas Tirith is that, like, elephant man deformed orc guy. Um, and all I could think of was the line in the was the line in the book where uh, where the narrator says, but it was no brigand or orc chieftain that was leading the armies. And of course, that's the introduction to the, the, the witch king coming back in and attacking Theoden uh, and then being killed by Eowyn. And, and then I was, but that's why I laughed out loud. And I was like, hey, look, it is an orc chieftain leading the armies. <laughs> um, so, uh, so anyway, there are several times where references like that are kind of, uh, almost perversely, it seems, added into the films and and and, and made to happen. Yes. So uh, so anyway, so for these for these reasons, I can kind of imagine uh, that they actually do that and make that happen. This wouldn't be uh, this wouldn't be perverse, but it would it would be different. So anyway, okay, so let me review them again. Option A. Book answer. They each they each escape separately, and Bilbo discovers their camp and sneaks in with the ring. Option B. Bilbo meets up with them within the mountains and they escape together. You know, maybe he rescues them, maybe he doesn't. But anyway, they, 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 they link up there and they come out of the Misty Mountains together. Option C, they escape separately, but their, uh, their meeting is jazzed up in some way. It's not just him sneaking into the camp. It's, you know, their, their encounter is radically different uh, on the outside. And option D is Bilbo does escape by himself, but then goes back into the Goblin Tunnels to rescue them. And then they come out together. Mm-hmm. So what do you think? Oh man, this is a tough one. I have yeah. I have no solid notion. Uh, and and the other question I want to toss out to the crowd is: uh, Are there any additional options that we haven't thought of that Father Roderick is sure to propose? <laughs> <laughs> yes, good good point. Yes, also, did yes, you by all means let's let's uh, before we make our our final vote here, let's uh, let's let's crowdsource our options here. Um, uh, by the way, did you, you guys see... think of? Did you see Robert Brown's comment? Uh, he says, wasn't it Frodo's girly screaming at the fire that alerted the Nazgul? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> um, um. I I don't I actually think I actually think we've done a reasonably good job of sort of covering our bases this time around. There doesn't seem to be any other other plausible options you know i guess there's yeah, I mean, there, bilbo there and bilbo and the dwarves never escape the mountains probably not <laughs> likely <laughs> right right if we accept as a given that they all must emerge at some point uh this seems more uh more or less i mean i guess we've left out the option of uh bilbo or gandalf and the dwarves escaping and going back in to rescue bilbo but that seems to me so toweringly unlikely that, yes. I, that I don't i guess i feel, I feel fine uh, i mean there could be different combinations like uh um 
Bilbo meets up with him in the mountains, but does so invisible or something like that. But I, I, I think that doesn't like what option A is. The emphasis is not on the fact that he appears out of nowhere, but rather the fact that the dwarves have already escaped the mountains and are are safe are safely away yes. and are sitting there yes. at rest, and that he sneaks into their camp and then boop appears so right exactly and the exactly so or what are the so dwarves up to when bilbo finds them are they right. escaped and safe are they still escaping are they returning to rescue him or are they still in the mountains in danger and he goes back to rescue them right right so let me let me let me just there are a couple of sort of potential scenarios that people have raised here and let me let me sort of describe where i think these would fit in our options um a couple people were suggesting um uh, that uh, um, uh, like uh, Vanny is suggesting and Yana as well that could sh- could show him making up his mind to go back into the mountains to rescue them and have him like on his way in when he encounters them or maybe he rescues them on his way back in and I would say basically if if Bilbo makes up his mind to go back and is going back and then we see the dwarves fighting goblins in the doorway and getting their way out and he goes in and, and, and helps to save them and helps them to escape that's option C that yes. is them meeting up outside the mountains, but it happening in a different and probably more exciting way, you know, more action-packed way than it happens in the book. Um, it doesn't count as D unless he actually goes back into the tunnels to rescue them. Um, he would actually have to go back through the door, find them in the tunnels, and bring them out again for, for D to be the correct answer. Um, if we have um, the two of them... If, if we have Bilbo escaping from the goblins and the dwarves coming uh, to to rescue him, that is, like, if we have, say, uh, Gandalf and the dwarves have already escaped from the mountains and then Bilbo uses buttons and has goblins chasing him and then, uh, you know, the dwarves, like, leap up and and help him, that's C also. Yes. You know, again, basically, that's the two of them have escaped independently and they meet up again outside under different circumstances. Yes. Um. Stop splitting hairs, so, people. Yep, yep. I'm just, 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 just specifying. These are these are very plausible scenarios. Um, specifying. Uh, what if they uh, meet up and they're? What if they're both on the way? What if the dwarves and Bilbo meet up, but each each group on its way in to rescue the other one? <laughs> C option C. <laughs> option C is pretty elastic. Uh, that's what I. That's what I like it. Um, All right. Yeah. 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 Um, Okay, let's see. Um, <laughs> Fanny says, uh, what if he decides to go back, finds them heading back to rescue him, and he appears as they're all walking and asks, where are we going? Um, uh, that, C. C. I mean, that's close. That's close to A. Um, but, uh, but I would still... I mean, in fact, if, if, really, if he just appears invisibly among them and shows up and, and you know, then... I would, uh, I'd be tempted to. I mean, that's that's much more like A than anything else that has been suggested. It, um, I, I would I, say, I would say, in my opinion, um, uh, let's see. I would say that 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 sounds an awful lot like A because because it, there's no action sequence. I think that's the right. the sort of the the thing that like B is Bilbo is B is neither of them they escape together, so they meet in the mountains. A is that they each escape independently and meet at safety outside. Right. 
D right. is is um, Bilbo escapes and returns and helps the dwarves escape. Um, so, do we have a the dwarves escape and then return for Bilbo type answer? Well, I mean, I, I, no, I mean that was the one option that I left out. That is that they actually go back into the tunnels and pull and and get Bilbo out. Is that because um, you just think it's incredibly unlikely that he would I do think that? It's incredibly unlikely. Yeah. Should we so include that just for completeness? I guess we could. Or um, or should we just lump that into C? Uh, I mean, I guess, oh wait, I no. Know. But I mean, in that scenario, Bilbo think. didn't escape. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's 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 a genuinely different option, but. I mean, I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm grudging even to include it. I mean, we could uh, we could we could. <laughs> several people are wanting uh, are wanting to see. Uh, um, Brandon says, which option does Bjorn taking them out of the tunnels fall under? Um, <laughs> there are several people who have been bringing uh, bringing Bjorn into this. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So. Um, no, no, I'm going to, I mean, I just, I, I think it's almost impossible that they, oh, okay. But see, this just means, me. okay, fine, fine, fine. We'll include it, right? We'll include option E, and, and I'll just heap scorn upon it. Um, but we will, uh, <laughs> but we will include it for the sake of completeness. So, okay. So let's differentiate them. A is, A is the book answer. The book each, answer. Each of them escapes, uh, escapes from the tunnels alone, and there's no further danger, and they meet up while it's, you know, perfectly safe, and in particular, and Bilbo, uh, Bilbo sneaks in among Bilbo them. Bilbo sneaks in among them. Now, if that happens to be their camping, or the dwarves are gathering, thinking like maybe we should go back in there or on their way back in, that all counts as A. B yeah. is B is neither of them escapes the tunnels before they meet up, and they meet up That's and then right. they escape together. They meet up in the tunnels yeah. and escape at the same time. Um, D D is Wait, Bilbo. Well, C. I'm I'm leaving C because he's the catch-all. D okay. is Bilbo escapes, the dwarves don't, Bilbo returns to rescue them. Uh, e is the dwarves escape, Bilbo doesn't, the dwarves return and help him escape. And then yes. C is they both happen to escape from the tunnels, but not entirely from danger, and they meet up amidst a, an action sequence. So C is actually very similar to A, except that they're not out of danger yet, even though they've exited right. the tunnels. <laughs> exactly. Yep, yep. Maybe we should. Okay. All right. That's simple enough. Um, yes. <laughs> so, right. Oh, Robert suggests that we have left out the uh, Bilbo summons Tom Bombadil answer. Um, but uh, yes. <laughs> um, okay. So, so what do we think? What do we think? Oh man! Oh man! Oh man! I would love to think that the answer is D. I really kind of like the Bilbo returns to rescue them option. Um, I kind of suspect that it leaves Gandalf and the dwarves hanging for too long. Um, because what that would mean is that we would have to have... So, okay, so Gandalf and the dwarves are being chased by goblins. Bilbo is separated from them and either hits his head or falls down a hole as he does in the Rankin-Bass... The Rankin-Rat... Whatever. The Rankin-Bass movie. Um, I, I'm starting to mix up my consonants now. Anyway, um, so... Whatever Bilbo is separated from them, then we leave them in in hiatus while we go down do the riddle game. Bilbo escapes and then goes back in, and then like meanwhile they've been what running around in circles with goblins chasing them. That's going to be really hard to do. Um, 
So, because I mean, they, they they could, for instance, escape the goblins and be like hiding somewhere, and Bilbo finds them and helps them get out. But again, then we have, I mean, they've got Gandalf with them, and everyone's going to be remembering Gandalf leading them through Moria. So, I think that that's going to be hard to to kind of convince people. Gandalf is going to look pretty darn incompetent um, if if they're just stuck and need help finding their way out. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's a really good point. If Gandalf wasn't with them, I'd be more tempted in the direction of uh, of of Bilbo returning to rescue them. But yes. Bilbo returning to rescue Gandalf seems maybe a little, little bit much. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I think it, it it would be I, it's it's hard for me to imagine how that would actually look without really damaging Gandalf's character, um, and also demanding a lot from the audience to be like now you know um all of this time because it is going to be some time i mean that whole sequence from when uh, bilbo wakes up in the dark through the riddle game and the and and his his separation from gollum however exactly that happens and then his escape from the goblins out the back door that's going to be a longish sequence in which we would have to be just sort of assuming that gandalf and the dwarves are in suspense um so so I, so for that reason, I wouldn't vote for D, even though, as I said, I do kind of like the idea. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, my 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 vote is for C. I always feel like a cop-out when I vote for the catch-all one. But, um, but I do think, I do think they're going to escape separately. The reason I think they're going to escape separately is I think they're going to want to keep, um, you know, the focus on you know, Bilbo's solo adventure out of the mountains. And I think the momentum of Gandalf and the dwarves escape, I don't expect that to happen off camera. Um, I, I expect that action sequence to go on. That is the action sequence of them being chased through the tunnels by the goblins and uh, running and fighting their way out. Um, you know, I think that that's, I, I, as I say, I expect that to continue and then we'll catch up with Bilbo later on. But I don't think, think they're going to do the meeting. I, d- I don't think it's going to be A either. I don't think the meeting is going to be just like it was in the book um, because I think it's, I still think that that's a little too understated. Um, I would expect there to be uh, a little bit more, mm-hmm. I, I would expect their, their reunion to be a little bit more spectacular and I would expect them to want to show Bilbo's character arc more, you know, to really show a, see, look, Bilbo cannot only just like guess riddles in the dark, but he can also like we see that he is actually starting to become competent now yeah. as an adventurer. Um, so, and so I think they will show that through some kind of action. Sequence. So, uh, for C, um, is there a concern that 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 sort of uh, actually? Now that I think about this, this might work in the film, but my concern with C is that you don't have that pause in the action of Bilbo mm-hmm. regrouping with the dwarves before they start getting chased by the goblins and wargs. But at, but now that I think about it, I'm almost certain that that there won't be a pause. Like It just right. seems like – that seems like the Peter Jackson way to do this scene, to have the goblins chase them straight out of the, the tunnels and just transition directly into the scene of them getting treed by the wargs and the goblins. Oh wait, right. but I mean, wait, can... but they get but the wargs and the goblins are actually technically the wargs and the goblins that it, that the tree them are are independent of the one the the ones from the mountains. They're, like they're there for a separate mission, right? They're trying to harass the men. That is true. That is true. Oh, but, but they'll that... probably skirt over that. That's too complicated well, to do on but, screen. But that is that is 
that is what I would like. Right, next week, I would or next next session, I would like to talk about the wargs and eagles, um, since this is the point. Since this is the point where we are, um, yes, and how this will also sort of affect things. So um, that that is a that is a, that is an excellent teaser for next week's discussion. How the how the wargs will be brought into this. Um, and how the wargs and eagles are going to be treated. Um, so I would say let's you know let's do the wargs and eagles, and then maybe Bjorn uh, in the next two sessions, <clears throat> and then we can yeah you uh, got pick it. back up with Bilbo and Mukwood. Um, but so what um, am I, what are we going to go with? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm 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 going with C, and I and and, and I'm I think going with C also. In, in my in my vote, B is the second most likely. That is them meeting inside the mountain yes. and Bilbo helping them to escape. Yep. Um, again, my only problem, the only reason I'm not voting for that one is that, again, I think the chronology, the film chronology, that is the, the, the actual momentum of the scenes, is going to be hard to maintain. If we have Gandalf and dwarves escaping from goblins, then Bilbo gets separated, and then we have, like, I don't know what, 15, 20 minutes of screen time, and then, meanwhile, Gandalf and the dwarves are still escaping from goblins, <laughs> but fortunately Bilbo comes back. I mean, that's going to be hard to swallow. So because of the awkwardness of that, that's why I'm not voting for B. Um, but uh, anyway, so so uh, what do people think? So we've got we've got it's, uh, people who are here uh, with us in the net moot. Um, what, uh, what's your vote? A, B, C, D, or the very unlikely, in my vote, E uh, of the dwarves actually returning in to 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 rescue Bilbo. What do people think? Okay, Yana's going with A. Good, good. Sarah wants a version of D. Okay, good. Um, Mark Fisher uh, A for Brendan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brendan says I'm taking the Mark Fisher A. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, so we've got. Looks like we've got. I didn't sell anybody on B. I've a got, for Sandra, a, a, D for Pete. I see Trish. Trish is uh, appropriately Trish is abstaining. abstaining until since yeah. we have to reveal hers on the digest. So, right, right. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes. Yes, Vanny. Uh, um, the the dwarves would have to actually go in to the to the caves and rescue Bilbo for it to count as E. Um, so yep. if uh, if you're thinking of them just heading back but not actually re-entering and encountering them outside, that's C. Um, yes, yes. Okay. All right. A bunch of uh, a bunch of C's. Jesse's still voting for Bjorn. Uh, <laughs> the option F. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, all right. Good. Good for you, Jesse. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Stick to your guns. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so uh, we have. Uh, um, this is not a, a week where we manage to ask a question that everybody agrees on. We have, uh, we have a, a fair distribution, with uh, the majority of people split between A and C, uh, uh, but a significant minority uh, also voting for D. Um, yeah. So good. Do you want to discuss breaking news, Corey? Uh, do I want to discuss breaking news? Um, I just dropped the link into the the chat. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> oh, break, that breaking like news that well, that has broken since we started the, like, uh, the yeah the, the literally broadcast. just got posted on um, uh, just got posted on the OneRing.net. 
No, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. I mean, I will, but I don't want to. Um, yeah. Apparently, yes. the new movie titles have been released. Or at least what they're saying is New Line has registered the following film titles. The Desolation of Smog and The Battle of Five Armies. I I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I have no words. Um, uh, I still like Father Roderick's title best. Um, Which Hobbit one was that one? Again? Over too much. Bread. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that I still think is the best title I've heard. Um, uh, um, I hate. Yeah, I, I hate says these not titles. Not to despair that I don't think th- these will be final titles. I think um, they're just registering everything they can think of. Yeah. I mean, I saw so so um, the Saul Zenses company also registered some URLs, and they registered yeah. uh, the Hobbit Riddles in the Dark. And I don't think there's any chance that they're going to call any of the movies Riddles in the Dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, very strange. Um, I don't know. I'm not that excited, and I'm not going to. <laughs> oh, mean! Jesse says, "I guess the Phantom Menace was taken." Ooh, <laughs> oh, burns! Burns! Uh, wow. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, I. I, I mean. Maybe, maybe you know maybe these are just preemptive moves. Uh, I mean, uh... <laughs> how about how about Roberts, the Lonely Mountain, and what Bilbo found there? <laughs> hey, I like that title. I like that title. Um, the Hobbit, Attack of the Wargs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, maybe we should have a horrible Hobbit movie title competition. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we could do that. We could do that. Um see what I what I primarily dislike about that division actually more than anything else I like the idea of having two separate films, one called The Battle of Five Armies and one called The Desolation of Smaug is that those to me sound like the same thing. Um that that is to call if if those were the titles, like let us imagine for a second that the second movie was going to be called The Desolation of Smaug and the third one was going to be called The Battle of Five Armies. What that would seem to indicate, it, w- it was basically that they're going to do what we talked about and rejected earlier yes. in this episode. Namely, that we're going to have the death of Smaug in the first, in the second film, and then we're going to have the Battle of Five Armies in the third film. Yep, that's my that's worry as re- well. Yeah, and uh, maybe maybe that would happen, and it could conceivably work. But uh, but if so, I think the Desolation of Smaug is a crappy name uh, for that. Because and again, and though th- though this is kind of I don't know. I mean, in my book on the Hobbit, what I have sort of argued is that the 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 Desolation of Smaug that's what we're seeing in the Battle of Five Armies. Mm-hmm. That sort of the con- like the whole dragon sickness thing and the 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 real. Fruit that is born by by uh, you know Smaug and the Dragon Sickness is the Battle of Five Armies itself, um, and to call the film where they go into the desolation and meet Smaug, the desolation of Smaug, seems to me really symbolically flat. Um, yeah, they're like basically just but, calling the film what where they are. 
Right, exactly. It would be like calling the Return of the King, you know, Gondor, or, or yeah, like you know, the Land of Shadow, or something like that. Would be a lame title, and I think that the Desolation of Smaug would be a lame title yep. uh, in that same way. Um, oh so well, that's what I. That's what I decided. Just keep our fingers <laughs> so, crossed. These are not the real titles. Uh, yes, possibly. Um, <laughs> Revenge of the Necromancer. Yeah, at least it's not the Necromancer Strikes Back. I'm personally, um, what I'm hoping for is, you know, the original titles were An Unexpected Journey and then There and Back Again. I'm just hoping they yeah. call Movie 2 There and Movie 3 Back Again. Back Again. <laughs> yes, The Hobbit There would be a great title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, that's uh, yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, All right, wow, the wrath of Smaug. See, actually, that would be a better title than the desolation of Smaug. How about the revenge of the Nazgul? I, I like it. I like the Nazgul rise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God. Um. Okay. Well, All right. thanks for pointing that out, Dave. Way to end the, the, the episode on a downer. On a note of hilarity. Um, but, but this is my, this is, I don't know, this has been my, my whole, I mean, every, I, I, and I suspect this is going to keep happening, um, possibly until I see the film. Like, basically, the news about the third film, like, depresses me. I'm willing, I'm, I'm going to suspend judgment. I'm very, like, willing to see it. I, I, I will continue to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I don't like it. I don't like it, and I, I I hope it doesn't mean that what we're going to get well, is... It's, it's very you know, magnanimous of you to be open-minded. Well, thank you. Thank yes. you. I thought that was generous myself. All right. <laughs> okay, no, wait. Uh, sorry, Jesse has the best title. The Hobbit 1, The Talking Purse. Yep. That's good. <laughs> Let's just make the... Oh, Let's hope that that's the footage he's going to go back and do. That he was like, I really wanted to have a whole scene with the talking, talking purse, and yeah. I cut it. And now, now I'm going to be able to include it. That's right. Let's hope so. <laughs> I'm sure that was the, the main motivating scene. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that was probably the whole heart of the pitch to the studio, right? You know, if we have a third film, we can include lots of footage of the talking purse. And the yep. studio was like, it has well, to Well, Bilbo will be carrying it along with him throughout his adventure. It'll be his companion. <laughs> Right, exactly. It, it'll be his witty sidekick through the whole film. Excellent. Oh, Lord. Excellent. All right. Okay. Well, um, Very good. thank you to I our listeners. Finish before any oh, more go ahead. breaking news. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> thank you to everybody who joined us live. If you didn't, yes. um, you missed out. It was awesome. And we had like more people than we've ever had before uh, across both the NetMoot and on the Middle Earth Network, uh, in the Middle Earth Network chat room. So it was great. Um, it's we enjoy having the live listeners and getting their feedback. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we will uh, we will be back in two weeks with another episode in which we will t- discuss talking animals and how we're That's sure right. that Peter Jackson will fill the film with talking animals. Um, yeah. yeah, and songs, and uh, and, songs. and and there should be a new digest episode or two over the next week um, as we continue catching up there. Um, so anyway thank you everybody for listening and thank you for joining us live and keep sending us your feedback and digging up any news you can and and, uh, keep the conversation going Um, and uh, we will continue our baseless speculation on Twitter and on the Facebook page and all that stuff so take us away Corey okay thanks for listening everybody and Godspeed
Welcome back to another episode of Riddles in the Dark, brought to you by the Mythgard Institute and the Tolkien Professor. In this week's episode, we will be getting back to our normal routine of discussing topics from The Hobbit, in particular Bilbo's character arc, since there's nothing exciting has happened in the news about The Hobbit and in the world over the last few weeks. So it's just going to be, you know, uh, normal routine as usual, no special announcements, no new, you know, exciting news, controversial topics to debate and argue and speculate baselessly about, just the usual routine. <laughs> so... <laughs> I think that's think that's just people that are excited to hear about uh, Bilbo's character arc. <clears throat> so uh, let me introduce us. Uh, I'm I'm the co-host Dave Kale, and my other co-host is Corey Olson, the Tolkien professor. So uh, yeah, Bilbo. Let's uh, let's. Uh... <laughs> Oh crap, Corey. Guess what? I in clicking things around I bypassed the the thing again. Dang it, every time. What is wrong with me? I guess. Do you think we can do you think we can fake that hilarious a- intro again? All the Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. The high jinks we get up to. That's right. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. <laughs> 